Welcome to the Let's Not Talk About COVID podcast. Here's your host, Cincy Tech CEO, Mike Venerable. Hey everybody, thanks for joining. Uh, I'm really happy to have uh, Candace Matthews Brackian on today uh, to chat and catch up. We've known each other for, I don't know, a long time. <laughs> Seven, eight years, it feels like, maybe longer. Yeah, that sounds about right. About right. And uh, uh, just the, the change and the things that have gone on in your world and what as you attack from a diversity and venture in the startup community. I've seen it from the beginning as first uh, as a founder and then an accelerator, you're an accelerator. And then I think in the early days, I said, you really need to get a fund someday. Look where we're at now. Look at where we're at now. So I'd love to just, you know, give a quick background just in case anybody who doesn't know your background listens, but also then what kind of talk about present day, you know, and the the progress you all have made, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so Ohio girl, kind of through and through, from Toledo, moved to Cincinnati to attend UC. Uh, I studied economics and a little bit of statistics um, and loved my time at UC. After I left school, I realized that sitting still is not my strong suit. Um, so as a consultant, I think that like many folks that need to constantly learn and do new things, uh, so I did that for 12 or 13 years after college um, and ran a few small brick and mortar companies um, of my own. And then I guess now about eight years ago, I got the bug to start my own tech firm. Um, so applied to a couple of local accelerators, didn't get in, applied to a couple of venture firms for funding, uh, was told no, but come back when you have a better idea. And um, then got into um, an accelerator that used to be around called Uptech in Northern Kentucky, Uh, raised some angel capital while I was there, ran out of angel capital and realized that um, just the state of affairs of venture is just was just not in a good place um, at that point. And so venture capital is difficult to get anyway, uh, but for women and people of color at that time. And even still today, it was just, it's just difficult to come by. So I figured, how can I fix this issue? To that point, I'd been building small communities and all of the, the work that I had done previously. And so I thought, well, how about we do that here in Cincinnati? So talked to a lot of local folks, foundations, the city and state. And then eventually, um, Ohio Third Frontier put out um, an RFP for a grassroots effort to help with making certain that things were distributed equitably in the venture space here locally. And so started an accelerator um, with my two co-founders, so Dahani Jones and Abel Vroom over at Key Capital. Um, And the the three of us got an accelerator off the ground as a pilot, which was a lot of fun. Um, We found some friends and family and then also some folks in Northern Ohio to fund a portion of our three companies. Um, That first group did really well. Uh, They raised about two and a half million dollars, like just really within like 90 days of finishing the first cohort. We thought, oh, this is going to be great. And so let's keep going. The second year, my co-founders decided to do other things. 
Um, and so I was kind of on my own to make it work. And year two went really well too. And so here we are going into our fifth year um, of what we now call the Lightship Foundation, which is um, an accelerator, a boot camp, online pitch competition. We also run uh, monthly meetup groups uh, to make certain that the community continues to get together. And then in 2020, we launched a fund to invest in those companies as well, and then companies outside of the um, the foundation as well. So. Uh, we we're kind of rocking and rolling in, in a few different cities. So we're in Cincinnati, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Detroit, Michigan, with a few more cities in the pipeline um, coming up over the next 36 months. That's why I have to talk to you at least every two weeks to find out what the latest news is. Right? <laughs> and a sticker. Like, what's happening now? What, do I, what don't I know? Right? Um, <laughs> I want to, you know, one thing that I, I remember having this conversation with Dahani a few years ago. And uh, he said to me, because you know, we were talking about the issue of just a lack of, you know, just a lack of event. Like the venture industry gets an F for this, you know, in terms of diversity. Um, and, it's, you know, I'm, I grew up in tech, so I'm sure, you know, that it's always been a problem. I grew up, ironically, my mom was an IT person, but that was sort of, she was a novelty at the time, and she was a unicorn. But it's, it's like, you, know, you think a lot about this as an issue. People will say, well, it's an issue of pipeline. We need more people, new, new students to get into tech and all these kind of things. But so much of it, so many, you know, I always say the, you know, the creativity is sort of evenly distributed in the human population. And it's all about, and, you know, I've had, and we've invested in some diverse founders, and I've watched them go through the process of fundraising and how, you know, there's nobody like them there. In the room, they're, you know, they're pitching to people, they're talking to people, they're emailing people. It's just, it became clear to me that the, the answer and what it was so exciting about when I, when I was talking, what Dahani said to me is, you need to come invest with more black investors. It was a pretty straightforward statement. <laughs> it's yeah. like you were out looking for founders, but what about investors? And like the whole democracy, you know, sort of the, the diversity of the investor pool is part of the problem. It's not like, okay, I need to have a diverse organization as a, we do as a fund manager, but what is more powerful than diverse fund ownership? Because then, you know, then it's, then that is that, that sort of ownership will drive a different behavior in the fundraiser world than me having a diverse fund group. And he was the first one that said that to me to make me think about that. And then sometime not long after that was probably when you and I had the conversation, I said, you really need to get a fund. If you, you had proven through your first couple of cohorts that you were a good picker, you know, that you were finding, you were, first of all, you're doing great deal flow. And secondly, you were being very selective and so many, you know, nobody does this where everything works, but you were finding really good stuff and finding ways to help those companies move forward and get them some capital. So that was exciting. So um, where, where, how do you feel today? Like, what is the, what do you do on a daily basis? I'm kind of interested in like, you know, what are your, as somebody who does, same thing you're doing like what do you think about every day what do you get up and do because it's you different know, every, fun. yeah every day is a little different and but <laughs> what isn't different is that i hear from my founders every day depends on which one and the ones i don't hear from those are the ones i get nervous about right when they get quiet that's when you've got to be nervous because it doesn't always mean the good things are happening so i would say on a typical day Sometime between 6 a.m., and this is probably bad, between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m., I hear from 
at least one up to four. And we've got 13 companies in the portfolio now. Um, and so they all need something a little bit different. Uh, and so you referenced, um, you know, folks, you know, imagination is uh, available to everyone. So we sometimes say that um, intelligence is distributed equitably across every person in the world, but opportunity and network is not. Um, and so that's what we do. We try to lend our own network and we like try to lend the network of our partners um, to the companies in our portfolio. So that's what happens every morning. And Monday mornings are definitely good for it. Sunday nights are good for it too. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I started my day with somebody saying, hey, that introduction you made yielded us a $250,000 angel investment. So that was like the best thing to hear. The middle of December, it was kind of like, it was getting tight in there and I didn't have the money to give, but we were able to leverage our network. And so every day is like that. Um, I would also say that we're always trying to add value. And so someone taught us the term value creation teams. So I guess a lot of PE firms and venture capital firms have a value creation team, groups of people that help to grow value in a company. Um, and so that's what we look at our team as for any one of our firms. Um, so we have a head of technology. We have a head of communications. We've got a creative director. And all of those people help to fill a gap for these early stage companies. Um, you know, many of them get to us and they've got a few key issues. Um, they don't have enough teams. They need help with hiring and identifying who they're going to need. You know, everybody has a funding gap. So like, why even go through that? But making certain that they have a proper fundraising strategy just in general. Um, many of us get to them, us and their, their finances just in general aren't where they need to, to be. So let's clean those things up. Biz dev is a big part. So how do we make certain that we're selling this thing the right way? So we look at each company when they come to us, we diagnose them with what we think they need. We listen to them about what they think they need. And then we come up with a strategy over their first kind of three, six, three, six and 12 months that we are their um, kind of investor. And then we hope to at some point hand them off to someone else who can build value. <laughs> but that's what it looks like. And that's what our kind of day to day looks like. Sounds familiar to me. Sounds like what you do. I learned from the best. <laughs> well, sometimes we're diagnosing the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> over and over again. Tell me a little bit. I love the boot camp thing. That is one of my favorite things you do, and I'd love to just talk about that a little bit. The boot camp thing. Yeah. So, um, a young lady named Angela Benton uh, started a program called Numi Accelerator back in 2012. Well, I guess it was 2011. Um, her idea was that you could take founders out to Silicon Valley and teach them the ways, and that was going to correct this diversity issue. So that was her way of like just getting in, putting people in front of folks in the Valley. And she did that in the Valley for three straight years. So she would take founders, put them in a house for three months. Um, they would get some funding and she would have them go pitch and get mentors that, you know, some of the greatest mentors. So um, Mitch Kapoor was part of cohort two. Um, and Brian, my husband, was actually in cohort two. Um, and so Mitch ended up becoming one of his first investors, Mitch and Frida. Um, and it was just a way to get Black founders in front. She did that for several years. And then for us, at Lightship, every year we take a break and pause and say, okay, what did we do great this year? 
What can we do next year that fills a gap in the ecosystems that we work in? And so we recognized late 18 that we weren't touching enough companies in Cincinnati. It's great to do a cohort of three, a cohort of five, but what about the hundreds of people that we can't service? Um, and so we started to look at the kind of programs around the country that were around, why were they successful or maybe why did they run into challenges and close? And we recognized that NUMI hadn't been operating any longer. And I said, well, that deserves to be around. Everybody I know that's been successful has touched this program. Like, how can we bring it back? What we found out was the founder was moving on to something else. And she felt like it had run its course with her. Um, and so we reached out and worked out a great agreement to acquire the brand. And we've morphed it a little bit. It is now a one-week program <laughs> where we bring founders into a house. We eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. And we've made some changes with COVID. So we use kind of hotel and kind of conference space right now. Um, but generally, we bring everyone into a house. We eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. And it kind of breaks down all the barriers between entrepreneur and VC. And it helps people to get each other, get to know each other on a human level. Um, it also, like, for some people, it's like their first time spending any time around a venture capitalist. Um, and so they get to ask questions that they may not have felt comfortable with asking other people. Um, and so it's a great program. Since Angela started it, there's been a little over 2,000 people through the program. Wow. We've taken, I think we're at about 100, I think we're at about 130 right now that we've had through the program since the beginning of 19. So um, we run that in multiple cities and it's absolutely a blast. And for us, is great kind of deal flow into the fund. To really, because you've created a 130 member peer group. And That's they, the other you do. Like they, they get to see and meet you as a finance, as a, as a VC, but they also get to meet each other. They do. And that do. becomes, you know, that, that is the most important thing is to have other people you can talk to who sort of have your, the same issues you're having, the same challenges you're having. Who can I call to get advice? What, you know, what did you do about this? What, that that's another thing that's I think under underappreciated about you know, that sort of a program, because I mean this is such a it's hard to hard to think about how to say it. it's like this is such a long term problem, right? So and it will not be solved in a day. It's not going to be solved by one person or ten people. It's going to be solved by creating um, one capital that's owned and managed by diverse people. And yeah. two companies that succeed and fail that were founded by diverse people. And yeah. you know, diverse peers don't have you know, they'll have non-diverse peers, white peers like like me. But that that group and that cohort is so important because this is a long journey that we're on. And that's yeah. gonna take time. I want I wanna ask a question around that topic. Um so there, you know. Is there a network or is it easy? Is it easier for me to find as an investor as a, who's not a diverse investor? Or not a, I'm, not a, or I'm not a fund that just focuses on diverse founders. How do I find and access the, the, the growing number of funds that have that focus? Because I think that's one thing I'd like to be able to do as a potential co-investor or somebody who's always looking for co-investors to say, hey, here's, some, you know, here's something I'm doing and I'd, I'd really like to talk to somebody who's who's interested in that area. We need like a website or somewhere we can go. Everybody's indexed and we know what they're doing. Yes. I, so I would say there's a couple of good places. Um, 
So how do I start by saying this? So there's, yeah, there's a couple of good places. So I will say that like, we are all on the same email thread. Um, so like <laughs> many of us email each other on a fairly regular basis. Um, so there's, there's an investors of color kind of like, um, monthly call where we all share deal flow. There's a black women investors monthly deal flow call. So like, there are actually quite a few of those. Um, Latinas in VC. So there's lots of kind of closed groups. There is, there are a few Airtables that kind of are running around spreadsheets with everyone um, that are helpful. There's a group called Screen Door. Um, so Screen Door came about, you know, kind of post um, George Floyd's murder. And they're a fund um, that's really right now supporting general partners that are first time funds. Um, and most of those folks are going to be backed by some of the larger pension funds and university kind of um, foundations. Um, that group, I think, has a handle on most at minimum Black VCs. Um, but then if you're looking for kind of broader um, reach, I would say Melinda Gates and Pivotal Ventures has done a really great job of indexing and kind of cataloging everyone, um, as well as the folks at Kaufman. Uh, and then I guess finally Knight Foundation would be a good one as well. Um, but it's, I would say, a pretty easy group to access at this point. Um, we're way better organized than we were kind of like pre-March 2020, um, because we've had nothing but time to sit around and meet each other on the internet. <laughs> Well, that's one advantage of you know not having to travel and getting used to that kind of work is you can quickly index. And I think that's that's one thing that that helps a lot is knowing that, that again, much like that peer community of founders, this peer community of investors who are all you know embarking on this path. And it is a really you know I've had many conversations about portfolio construction and management and all that. Like it sounds simple and easy and a short-term path to success. I'll just start a fund and go run this thing. And how hard could this be? And then you get in the middle of it and you realize you're halfway through a fund. And it's like, these are the things, these are the things I've bought. Now what do I do with them? It's like, I'm trying to make a recipe of returns. And I think that having that peer group as well is going to be really important to this being a, a long and enduring sort of success. And, and again, I think, um, you know, to, to touch on something that's, I know that you and Brian have both been very vocal about, and I agree with you, which is this fact that there's a lot of attention on this topic today. And there are a lot of people who would like to get in the business of being a diverse fund or a diverse platform with some BD venture development organization, whatever it is. And I am totally aligned with you that we need to make sure that the, the support and money that's flowing is actually going to, I mean, the capital has to be, I mean, to me, it's all about the capital being owned by diverse people. Manage the GPs need to be diverse. Money can come from anywhere, but we need to recycle that capital back in because that's what will create you know, the long-term change. And you know, then hopefully a generation from now, and I'm not doing this anymore, maybe soon, hopefully, that, that we're all just, you know, it, it's just a, it's just much less complicated than it is today. But we have a long, path ahead of us, but I think that's that's something that I think is is worth talking about. 
It's like, hey, you know, just because everybody thinks this is an important thing to do now, I don't get to raise my hand and say, hey, oh, there's some money flowing from the federal government for this problem. Why don't I manage it? I, should, I, I think we, you know, step back and let managers that are emerging emerge and do that work. And, uh, yeah, I would think that the sharing in that circumstance would be, you know, so I'll give an example. I, we had our annual meeting last Sunday and it was our first one as a fund. And while we did a great job, we learned a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think the, the, the potential to share there would be folks teaching what they know already. Everyone has had a first-time fund, right? But when you're a first-time fund and you don't have a proper network or you didn't ask your network properly before you did something, um, then you you run into issues and people will believe that maybe you didn't know what you were doing and then they don't give someone else another try. And so I think the opportunity there is all this money is flowing is to somehow engage people. And of course, um, somehow you engage people and almost create peers and mentors together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, here we are, especially in our state, I think we have a really great network of people who are willing to help. Um, and people have asked me, like, how are you able to raise any, any money? And I'm like, well, it's because I was in a place where everyone was open to it, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't immediate, right? But through a series of conversations, through meals and meetings and all of those things, we were all able to get on the same page to teach each other, right? I would say you probably have learned things from me, but I definitely have learned a lot of things from you. Um, And some folks are just not willing to do that work. Um, So no, back to kind of the federal thing. I think that I hope that more people are able to step back and realize that they do have plenty of pie. And they don't need more pie. Um, We've been eating pie for a long time. So we need a a lot of pie and like diabetes is rough. So like, let's just figure it out together. (laughs) I I think that's an important thing to think about. I I lived, you know, I was fortunate to live in the Northern Virginia, DC area for a long time. And and it was a really diverse business environment because the federal government gave access to, to contracts. So the people can build a business to a certain point. And then I had many, you know, peers who graduated from the program and built 100, 200, 300, 500 million dollar businesses, public companies. And that's because there was a pathway. And that pathway said get to this point and then you graduate out of that, you're, you know, you've got enough you've got enough critical mass you can go fight with with everybody else now. And that's what needs to happen, is there just needs to be a, a you know, path to creating more because this is such a it's a mistake making business right yeah and i it took me you know i came into this 16 years ago doing this seed investment i was never i never even took venture capital when i built my company so i didn't know anything you know and i think about all the things i know now and how little i still know Mm. it just you know it's we're it's gonna we're just gonna have to let people build funds build businesses make all the mistakes everybody else has been allowed to make been allowed to make years and and i think that yeah there's plenty of there's everybody's had enough pie 
so yeah. I hope people get access to the fund. Yeah, but I don't, don't, don't want to lose that. What do you? Uh, I'm going to ask you a tough question. Oh, I mean, like one to like not up to three things that would be super helpful. Do you think that you think would be super helpful to minority and diverse entrepreneurs? Like a, mm. it could be something. I could do something a big company could do something the government could do something you know what, what would be helpful what would be helpful um oh my goodness what does help look like what does help look like you know we we talk around this quite a bit like there's a there's an issue with kind of um learning dollars money to learn with right so we used to have an imagination grant Imagining Grant here here locally. And that gave a lot of people their start. Um, and I think we need some more of that again. Um, there were years ago, there was this group here locally, um, and they've morphed names, was Bad Girl Ventures. And they gave out this kind of $5,000 grant to folks locally to, they could apply for it. And then you could use that money to build your business. I won it years and years ago and I used it, used the money to buy um, cycling bikes at my fitness studio that I had in Hyde Park. And it allowed us to increase the amount of money we were making every year by about $35,000 a year. And it was huge for us. It was huge for us. And so I think about us or my friends at Black Owned, they got a $10,000 yeah. um, you know, investment and they were able to get ahead of seasonality. Sometimes it's just little bits and chunks of money. Um, you know, we've got a company in our, um, our syndicate portfolio called Quelly TV and it's a black streaming company. So everything in the African diaspora, it's kind of like Netflix for the African diaspora. They got a $25,000 investment and they were able to do a, a lot of really cool things with it and have increased the number of users by a few thousand. And so it's just having that kind of pre-seed money or even grants, um, we just need more money to burn. Now, I will say that, um, and this is maybe just my personal opinion, um, and I think it's a professional opinion, but um, there's a lot of times in the history of America where we've needed government intervention for things. And I think that we've unfortunately, I think, hit the point where this space, this venture capital space actually does need to be corrected with tax dollars. Um, and so I think it's great that we've got SSBCI coming around to make some corrections for socially disadvantaged venture capital um, because without government intervention, I might not have civil rights and I might not have women's rights because left to our own devices, we don't always do the right thing, mm -hmm. um, or at least not in mass. And so I think that in these moments, like that's the way that maybe some of these things get corrected. I'm certain you remember when SSBCI came around last time, um, because lots of funds here in the state received those dollars. And so maybe if we distribute those equitably, we can get to a place where we can make some corrections and then maybe pile on to that as well. So I would say that's one. Um, I think that, and this is something I learned from you, um, 
I think that you have to understand that when somebody tells you no, it doesn't mean like I'm discarding you out into the trash heap. It just means no, come back later or no, learn from this. Um, because, you know, I think, Mike, you know this about yourself. Like, you know, some people like get nervous when they go to talk to you. Oh. Right. Because they, they, you're big venture capitalists. And so they get nervous. And people have said to me, like, you and Mike seem to get along really well. And I was like, you know what? It's because we've learned from each other over time. And we've spent time. And I, I heard his no, but I learned from it. I learned from it. I learned that what I was talking to him about wasn't a great idea. <laughs> and so I came back to him with something better. And I learned from everything you said. So I would say if there's anything that I would teach a founder is like take great notes and then like report back to someone, maybe not on like a regular cadence, but as much as you can. Um, so that's another. Um, and what would my third thing be for founders? Like just build and make something. <laughs> you don't have to have venture. I think, I mean, that's unfortunately the truth, but like you don't have to have venture capital to make revenue unless you've got like an AI company, right? Um, and there are other ways to fund a company besides getting money from from someone like me or you. It's, the, it's really a path. I think it's really important to notice that. To note that is that the, the VC path is, you know, it's really designed for capital intensive hybrid. You know, it's sort of a different world. There's a, there's a gross margin component to it, but it's, you know, yeah, if you're going to go build a pharmaceutical company, you need outside capital. Med device or a big software company that requires a lot of upfront product engineering and scale. But most businesses aren't like that. And most businesses, most people who live in big houses didn't start businesses that way. They started some other kind of business that was bootstrapped or, or less capital intensive than, than this process that we put people through, which is kind of painful. Um, I will say, you know, you mentioned, I love the, you know, we used to call it the imagining grants were walking around money. Like I, I'd see something I'd like and I could put 20K or 40K against that person so they could work that idea. And you're, the whole notion of somebody gave you five grand to do, to buy spend cycles. Yeah. Is part of, was part of the journey, the bridging that got you to doing what you're doing today, which is now you've completely inverted that. And now you're doing sort of the, the uh, you're putting the, the money into things and making that investment. We, we need to make sure people understand that value chain. So yeah. that $5,000, the, the no that I gave you, but that no is a journey to a yes to say, I, I, I would say that you're a change agent. Like you're going somewhere. You know, yeah. and, you, and, and be careful, you might get knocked over. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the, you know, people that are going somewhere being catalytic, that's important. And that's one of the reasons I think it's, it's and now they know Brian pretty well too. He's going somewhere too. He knocks people over as well. But you you recognize that in other people you want to invest in. Like if you're trying to go somewhere and trying to build something, kind of create something new in a world where the money's all sort of everybody's budget for next year is already committed. So you're going to have to go take it from somewhere else or, or find a, a really good rationale. You're going to have to be willing to really push hard to do that. And uh, that's why I think it's uh, it's been fun watching this all unfold. Over the years, it's super exciting to me to see what you, what you, what you and Brian and Lightship are doing today, and to meet all the. What's fun to me is like when I came down to the food, all the food folks were down on the second floor. That was just like the seeing all those people here in the building and realizing in the last, I would say, three to four years, that has exploded nationally. Mm -hmm. Like you're at the vanguard of a national activity that we know 
that that's happening now in cities that wasn't happening three, four years, last year. I mean, it's just accelerating all over and we have no idea what that's done, but it feels like we've, or I said, we're warming up. I think we're at the end of the beginning. Yeah. Now, and now that's the real work starts and now we'll see great success stories. And we'll still see big failures in the paper. Like, you know, there'll be the we work, you know, type stories. And, and that's when, you know, it's like the, the, the public consumes startups as overnight successes or embarrassing failures, which is okay. Yeah. That's, that's how they do it. But now we have enough, you know, the end is growing every year. We've got more of these things that are happening. You're going to create millionaires and billionaires and, and also out of those companies will fall people that you naturally think, yeah, this is how the world works. This is what I should be doing. And, and I think the most important thing is, I want to finish with it. It occurred to me in, the, in my learning and understanding of this topic and this challenge for us is that diverse capital is much more likely to invest in diverse founders and diverse founders are much more likely to hire and attract diverse employees. In that way, so that became to me the cheat. Like, okay, if I wait for this industry and my fund and everybody else to figure this out, we're going to go too slow. We have to we have to change the model by starting from the from the beginning with where does the money come from, who's managing that money, and where are they putting it, and then who's running those companies and who will be one who will want to go work there, because that's the real challenge is attracting the talent and the money to do it. That's what I learned in this process. I learned a lot of other stuff too, but that, that, that to me was like, wait, that, that sort of occurred to me one day. It's like, well, this is how this should work. Mike, it's been so fun doing this together. It really, really has. So well, you're, a, you're a huge asset to, to our community here locally, but also to everything you're doing around the country. Thank you. And thank you. Uh, thanks for taking time today. Absolutely. Thank you. This concludes season one of the Let's Not Talk About COVID podcast. We'll see you again in 2022.